This is a Vuma 103 podcast. Vuma 103 Drive. A very good afternoon to you and welcome once again to Vuma 103 Drive. My name is Sando Luetu and today I am speaking to a legend, a star for all time, Mr. Burnout himself. Sipo Hotsticks Mabuse. A very good afternoon to you, sir, and welcome to Vuma 103 Drive. Good afternoon, Tandolo, to how are you, sir, and to all your listeners on Vuma FM. <laughs> it's such an honor to speak to you guys. I really need to do something about my voice. Yes, everybody thinks I'm a guy. <laughs> I'm serious. Ha, ha. You got this very sensual, sexy voice. Wow. The singing voice. Thank you so, so very much. I'd like to just start off by saying that for me personally, it is an honor to speak to you. And Baba, you are like a bottle of a French wine. You mature so beautifully. I was looking at your pictures and I'm like, yes, you still got it. Oh, thank you so much. I'm flattered. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you. I am indeed flattered. Now let's talk about what we know most about you. You are an amazing artist. You always make sure that you fly the South African flag really high. You are a proud father as well as a businessman. Now, I want to start off with what everybody knows you for, and that is, of course, the song Burnout. When you say Sipo yeah. Hot Sticks Mabuse, that's what everybody thinks about is the song Burnout. At any point in your career, did you get burnt out by performing Burnout? There are times where I really feel, you know what, I've really, you know, I've done, I've performed this, this song extensively. But you know what? Unfortunately, the song is in control. I wish I was in control because the song is itself, it has placed itself in a pole position where it dictates, you know, it determines where and what, when I can perform it. I'm not sure if I can call it burnt out. Now, one of the things that people always say about you is that you are one of those old school performers who is always willing to pick up the youth and pass on the torch. I even heard you once saying that we're not going to be around forever. So it's important for us to give to the young generation, to lead the way, to light the way, to teach them, to be there for them. Why is this so important to you? Our lives do not belong only to ourselves. We were also nurtured and nurtured by uh, other people. You know, we stepped on the toes or we stood on the shoulders of some great giant where today we are celebrated. So it's it's almost like a race, you know, a relay baton, which you must always, you know, carry to say, look, if I've done so much, there are other people that have seen me through throughout my life to be able to do this. Let me share this also with the younger generation so that there's continuity. And for me, that's one of the most important things that I always believe I should uh, pride myself. Now, when it comes to seasoned musicians, there are two camps. There's one camp that believes that the younger generation is not doing a good enough job to tell South African stories, to play South African music and take it to the world. They feel as though the music of the youth is too American. Then there's another camp that says, you know what, leave the kids alone. This is how they express themselves. Which camp do you belong to and why? I belong to both the camps. But most specifically, the other one that you just mentioned. I think it's very important to, to maintain every generation has got its own role. And it must always determine its future. It must always determine its direction. We cannot claim custodianship 
of what is right in South Africa. We were also influenced by external forces to be able to create. Somewhere along the way, our level of consciousness was able to determine to us, okay, this is where we, you think we should go. We did not just become conscious of who we were at the time. We were young, we were excited, we were energetic. We created things according to what the dictates of the times were. So we should allow young people to go through those processes until such time that they find themselves and say, hey, maybe this is where I belong and this is how I should advance my music. Now, I always believed, um, I, 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 you know what? I'm probably going to get fired for what I'm saying because I don't remember the artist, but the lyrics went, what good is a song if it can't inspire? Absolutely. If the lyrics cannot take you higher? And music has always been that for me. Something that's always been so emotive that I can listen to a song and it can uplift me. I can listen to a song and it makes me think deeper about who I am and where it is that I'm going. And I truly do believe that music is a savior of life. That regardless of race, color or creed, it is something that always brings us together. What has music been for you? And I know it's a stupid question because you're an amazing musician, but some people just do music because it's the business, it's the fame, it is the accolades. But there are people who have a deeper relationship with music. One of the things I must always be grateful that I found myself in this space. I became a musician by default. Maybe it is fate, maybe it was ancestral, you know, that I end up being a musician. And music has done so much for me. It has given me things that I, I never imagined as a young person were attainable, you know, and uh, being able to write the kind of songs that became popular, that became famous, and uh, with me traveling the whole world and people appreciating what I do and being able to to share those experiences with some of the greater musicians like Miri Makeba, Hugh Masekela, Jonas Congo, Kaifas Letter. The only musician that I always have regretted not having worked with was Abdullah Ibrahim. Hopefully one day I can work with him. But basically that's what music has done for me. When you were in school, you dropped out of school because you guys were performing I need to know, how did that conversation happen within the household? What was that conversation like with your family? I didn't tell them. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> I didn't tell my mother that I'm into music. You know how she found out? Mothers are always the ones that are always in touch with the kids, and so, their own children and so my mother would always come and visit us at school. But on this particular day, she went to school and I wasn't there. The headmaster said to her, your son has gone to become something else that we don't understand, a musician. Fortunately, we had a headmaster who really appreciated us for what we do. But he always emphasized that we come to school. So my mother came to where we used to hang out at one of the musicians' home. We had just bought new uniforms and uh, I was speaking it, I was looking at myself in the mirror and lo and behold, there was my mother behind me. Can you imagine the shock? Oh my. And she said, oh, I don't That's how she discovered. And I wore my school uniform and she took me back to school where I got corporal punishment. Now, when you went back to school, how long did you stay in school before you totally dropped out? Because I know that you only got your matric later on in life. Well, I was already in my matric then. 
I think we all dropped out. All of us as musicians just dropped out of school and uh, we went on to become these young, popular, beautiful, handsome, money-making machines for everyone. And with all the young women throwing things at us, room keys and all that stuff. (laughs) 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 Would not give up everything for that kind of life. Now I need to ask this, as a young musician, so talented, so handsome, so suave and debonair, what is the craziest thing a female fan has ever done to get your attention? (laughs) You don't want to know. (laughs) Yes, I do. (laughs) You know, we used to read about young women throwing underwear at their artists, at the Beatles, Rolling Stones and so on. We never yes. even that something like that could happen to the beaches. And oh. trust me, it happened. <laughs> we used to perform in Soweto at the Ayeto Cinema. 75% of our audience was women. You know, we were always considered as handsome, young. Even the media wrote about that. And of course, we attracted mostly the female fans. And of course, the guys would come through, perhaps not to come and listen to the music, but to come and also look for the beautiful women who are coming to the Peter's show. These young women would just come in and be carrying things and they'll be throwing things at us. Sometimes we go to universities and we get thrown the keys of the rooms and stuff. So these are some of the things that we enjoyed. Well, a high five for those empowered women. I remember when I was a child, my mother said to me that it was Odie the Peters and T.P. Pendergrass who could maintain yes. a full audience that was just of women and the woman would walk away utterly and thoroughly satisfied. So I believe that story. But it's true. Even with Michael Jackson, when we went to a concert, some others were even passing out. You know, young girls would be throwing things, flowers, underwear, and some of them would throw themselves at the stage, passing out in the process with Michael Jackson, and he would play out. I know that that you didn't finish matric and it's something that you did when you were 60, I stand to be corrected. Did you do this for yourself or did you do this because you knew how much it hurt your mother when you you dropped out because she wanted so much more for you? I did it for her, but I also think I did it for myself because I thought, you know, by me going back to school to complete matric, I'll probably add value to young people's understanding of what education is. That education gives them a better chance. For me, it was not an issue because I was at an age where I I was not employable. And education provides you with that kind of mental ability to deal with things beyond just employment. And I, I think that was what was driving me, you know, to be able to to engage and interact with subjects that were not necessarily about employment. And and if it would have influenced many young people to consider going back to school, those who had given up, that would have been part of my contribution to society. But not only that, as a father, you cannot be telling your children how important education is and there you sitting, high school dropout, even though you've traveled the world, etc. They're going to be like, hi, Papa. You succeeded without it. Why should I? I know. My children, thank God, with music, I was able to send them to good schools. And of course, they they were born at a time when education now was better than where we were. Perhaps we had better understanding of what education is. 
and they were in a, a better environment to advance that education. For them to go back to school as well is important that it will put them in a pole position, you know, to be independent of me, to be independent of everything else, you know, being able to, to attain their own desires. Talking about God giveth and God taketh away, there are so many legendary musicians who have passed on. And the moment we hear that they've passed on, all of a sudden social media, hashtag RIP, all of a sudden people want to interview their families, uh, people want to interview the people that they worked with. But why only in death? Why do you think it is that as South Africans, number one, is it just us or is it just a universal music thing that people are only appreciated once they have passed on? And if not, as South Africans, how do you believe that we can honor our legends while they are still here? What you're asking, Kando, is um, maybe people love someone and they feel aggrieved that they did not do as much for them while they were still alive. And as little or as much as they can get from them is what drives them to start wanting to have all that information because it will no longer be available. So, so right now, if we to go into your playlist, what songs would we be surprised that you actually listen to or love? I listen to all kinds of music. I listen to all kinds of music. I have respect for creatives. You know, people who create music probably possess the highest level of intellect and truly try this. Science has proven that creators are, are people of high intellect and this is why I can only learn from what others do, you know, other musicians who I, I, I listen to. You know, I, I can talk about all the musicians. I love Brenda. As crazy about her. Yes. I love Mazi. I love Sister Rothi Masuka's ability to write incredible songs. I love Sister Letter's ability to sing and write brilliant music. I love Brahu. I love Jonathan Butler. I love Stevie Wonder. I love uh, the Beatles. You know, these are people that have made us happy throughout our lives. As a young person, I admired Elvis Presley. I listened to Bach. I listened to Mozart. I listened to Abdullah Ibrahim. I listened to John Coltrane. So my appreciation for the I collect art, that's the level of what I appreciate in terms of what artistic life I live. Um, now, I just want to touch wood. If you were ever called up, to that great jazz band in the sky, what do you want us to say about you when you are no longer with us? Or, or remember you by, sorry. Be as creative as you can be. Be as creative as you can be and do your research like you've just done and find out more about God willing, I am writing a book. I am writing my memoirs and I'm sure if God willing and I live long enough to complete it, then, you know, some, most of the information will, will be contained there. But I also have friends, I have family, I have um, 
well, unfortunately, most of my brothers are gone. But um, I have friends, you know. I have colleagues who would probably say most of the things about about me. If you don't mind me asking, what is the if you do have a title for your memoir? What what is it? What are you what are you playing around with if you haven't stuck to one yet? Well, I've always played around with the title Jack Soweto. Yes. <laughs> because you know, I I live in Soweto. So the title Jive is is sort of uh entwined with the lifestyle of the Soweto, of the township. Well, you know what? I can live with that title. I'd just like to say thank you very much for taking out some time to speak to us. And Baba, whatever happens, please don't ever burn out. Thank you, Sandro. I love your, your singing voice. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I love your singing voice. Yeah. You know, um, uh, uh, my mentor is actually KG Moigeti. And every time I used to sing for her, she always used to say to me, you sing like a true artist, like you actually went to school for this. So hearing that from you is a huge compliment. Absolutely. Maybe you can sing me a line or two. Like right now? Right now. My goodness. <laughs> you put me oh my God. Um... I don't know what to sing. What am I going to sing? Um, oh goodness, this is so weird. Um... <laughs> Tell me something to sing, Lucky. When Sibot Six Mabusas is sing, you need to sing. What can I sing? Um, I'm blank, guys. I'm so blank right now. Um, okay. I still remember a time when I was at church all day. And I wonder what my friends used to think about me. You still think about me. Okay, I'm so nervous. My voice is literally shaking. Ooh, that's beautiful. That's lovely. Congratulations. It's a shaking. <laughs> Yo, that's fantastic. That's Thank you fantastic. so much. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. You too. You too, my dear. Really appreciate your call and to all your listeners as well. And now you know who I am and what I am. And, you know, I'm just as human as everybody. And I may falter somewhere along the way. But, hey, that's real. That's what that's what we have to be. Well, the, at the moment you're finished with that memoir, please give us a call so that we can sit down with you and do an interview, probably a live reading or something to honor you, Siabong. Okay. Thank you so much. Vuma 103 Drive. This is a Vuma 103 podcast.